Hello, this is Eric Bryant, pastor at Gateway Church in South Austin. If you want more resources, including the notes from this message, go to ericbryant.org. Or to find out more about our community, go to gatewaychurch.com south. Looks fine, huh? So it was Sunday night at worship night, which I didn't notice any of you jumping up and down earlier. You know, the fun thing about teenagers, I'll tell you, the beginning of that weekend, like they showed up Friday, and there are several that did not know each other. And they get on a bus, and they end up start getting to know each other, and then they get there, and we take away their phones. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, what are you, torturing these kids? And some of these third through 12th graders, by the way, some of them are going to bed at night without mom and dad and without their phone next to them. But by Sunday night... That group was all in. Nothing was too cool for them. And you'll see some glimpses of our kids. They had such a great time. But have you ever been a part of a community where you felt that kind of life? What was so fun about this group and, and the leaders that were there, some of whom have been investing in these kids for years, seeing them grow up, is that you experience community at such beautiful levels. They're out of their comfort zones. They're connecting with God, connecting with others. I heard so many amazing stories. There was a, a group of boys, fourth grade boys, most of them central, some of them north, and one of the kids got bullied by a kid from another group. And the boys in his group pulled that little kid aside who was crying, and they began to tell him that nothing you heard was true, and they began to tell him how fun he was, how nice he was, how great it was to have him on his group. And he wipes away the tears, listening to community speak truth into his life. Or the kid whose first experience was with us was at camp, finding faith. We also uh, won. We always win. South wins every year. <laughs> uh, there we are. High schoolers won. Can you tell they expected to win? Yeah, I asked one of the girls from North, why do you think South wins every year? It's like four out of the last five. And they, she said, well, it's because you guys come already closer when you get on that bus than we are. Isn't that great? So go to the next slide. Here's all of our group. This is the biggest group we've ever taken from Gateway South, third through 12th, with all those adults and kids. By the way, I have no idea what Ricky's doing in my head. I'm not sure <laughs> if he thinks <laughs> heat is emanating to warm his hands. I'm not sure. But we had an amazing experience. When you get out of your comfort zone, when you step into community, you can actually do things, experience things you would have never imagined. Kind of like this, the zip line. Now, it sounds like screams of terror, but it's actually screams of delight <laughs> once you realize you've survived. Well, I did the zip line, and I will tell you, I wouldn't do the zip line except for the positive peer pressure of those around me. And I wonder, are you stuck in your journey because you're missing that community that keeps pushing you forward? See, community helps us borrow strength, borrow willpower. One of my favorite quotes, John Burke, one of the first messages I heard him share years ago, he said, if you ever 
find yourself hopeless, borrow hope from someone else. See, when we have community around us, we're actually able to push through and endure and actually experience things beyond our limits because we have others helping us along the way. And if you've missed any of the messages from this series, let me just remind you, you can always go back and listen or watch either through our Gateway South Facebook page. We post not only the audio from this message, but the the actual notes from the message. Or you can go to my website where we put it there as well, ericbryant.org. But the idea is go back and listen, even if you heard it, just to put into play some of these practices. But I'm going to tell you, if you put into practice some of the things we've talked about, you will still find yourself hitting the wall. You will still find that you need others to press on to become the person that God's created you to be. Community helps us. You'll also discover in the midst of this series that this is not a therapy session. Don't stop going to your counselor. In fact, for some of you, your next step is to find a counselor as part of your support team. Because we need to take seriously finding the healing we need to become the people God's created us to be. We need people in our lives that with whom we can borrow hope and strength and endurance and courage to keep us moving forward. Because there will be moments where you will face something difficult, maybe even something threatening in life. There's a passage of scripture I want us to look at today. It's the early church, and they were absolutely in a critical moment. Their lives were threatened. Things were incredibly difficult. But I want to just share a little bit of the context first. By the way, if you're new to the scriptures, I want to encourage you to understanding the context is really important. If you read something in the scriptures and it doesn't seem to make sense, it's probably something happening in the context that would make sense of it. In fact, today at four o'clock, I'm doing a workshop called Understanding the Scriptures. You're more than welcome to come or share a meal together. And just perhaps you're trying to read through the New Testament in this, this year, this new year. It just takes a chapter a day to do that. I want to help you know how to understand what God is saying through the scriptures. My old mentor, Erwin McManus, has said, the scriptures are a portal into God's presence. Allow God to speak to you through the scriptures. So here's the context of Acts chapter 4. They had followed Jesus, these disciples, and they saw him arrested They saw him falsely accused. They saw him beaten, whipped, even stripped and crucified. But then on the third day, they saw him alive. And so they're going everywhere they go to tell people that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one we've been waiting for. And he's alive. They saw a dead man come back to life. People that they were telling didn't always like hearing that message. Those who were clamoring for the death of Jesus did not like the idea that he was still alive. The Roman authorities, the religious leaders. And so as a result, these disciples who are now sharing about Jesus, which by the way, at this point, there were thousands of people now believing that Jesus was the Messiah. After Acts chapter 2, when Peter shared this message, it says that thousands of people from all over the planet who had come to Jerusalem for the holiday of Pentecost had begun to follow Jesus. And so everywhere they went, there was a message being spread that Jesus is God, that Jesus is alive, Jesus is the Messiah. But in Jerusalem, some of the disciples were arrested and they were threatened. 
do not talk about Jesus. They were in a difficult situation, and we might find ourselves in a place like that, where we feel threatened, and anxiety begins to creep in, and anxiety will make you want to become quiet, to step back from whatever it is that you've stepped into, whatever is out of your comfort zone. But rather than becoming silent, notice what happens to these followers of Jesus. Acts chapter four. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When their hope was threatened and they were being intimidated into silence, they actually went to their friends and shared what was going on with them. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, this, this is really obvious, but actually we underestimate how anxiety can isolate us. Many times, what we need most is community, and in those moments, that's when we turn away from everyone around us. Isolation is the enemy of hope. Many of us, when we are overwhelmed, when those negative thoughts begin to crash into our mind, we believe the lie that no one else will understand what's happening, that no one else can help me in this moment. We think we're the only ones that are experiencing this. But rather than giving in to isolation, press into community. These disciples, released from jail, went straight to their friends, and they were vulnerable. They were authentic. They let other people in. They didn't let anxiety silence them. They didn't minimize the source of the intimidation. They were open and honest. See, they let anxiety be a catalyst into community. When you feel yourself overwhelmed, let that be the reminder that you need to tell someone what's going on. Let's continue. Acts 4. They found themselves in a very real, very threatening situation. And after sharing with their friends, notice what happens. When their friends heard the report... They lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through the ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. You see what they did? They lifted their voices together in prayer to God. They invited God into the difficulty with them. Immediately, these friends turned to God, the creator of the universe, reminding themselves of who God is. They lifted their voices together. They went directly to God with what was on their hearts. They were being carried into the presence of God by their friends. And that's when they remembered who God is. They were reminding themselves of how powerful God is. The creator of the universe is listening to us. The one who created stars and galaxies and planets is listening to us. 
They were not reminding God who he is. They were reminding themselves who God is. And they were honest about the threats facing them. They were not denying it. They were not minimizing it. But they were reframing the threats that they were facing against the backdrop of God's power, his goodness, and his presence. Even reminding themselves, yeah, all the government authorities may be against Jesus. The Gentiles, the religious leaders, they may all be against Jesus and therefore against us. But God, you allowed this to happen, they said. You knew this would happen. You know what we're facing. You and I, we need people in our life with whom we can safely and authentically be real about what we're going through. Who will actually take us into God's presence and remind us that he is with us in our circumstances. Do you have people like that in your life? Do you have people who listen, who point you back towards God? Or do you have people in your life who just complain with you? Who minimize what's happening for you? Or do you have people who point you towards God's power and goodness and presence in your life? We need people like that around us. We live in a beautiful, large, growing city, but it can also be a very lonely place. Some of us have zero family here. Others of us do have family here, and that's why we need help. (laughs) But I want you to see that, that this kind of community can be true of you. Notice, there's a couple other vital things that they did together, this community. They entrusted themselves and their circumstances to God. I love this prayer that they prayed because they referenced David. And you might already know this, but David was a king and he wrote many of the Psalms. And if you've ever read the Psalms, you'll notice the Psalms often start from a really raw place. Often David is upset with God because of his circumstances. He's overwhelmed. There are people chasing him, people trying to kill him. And so oftentimes David vents to God. He's open and honest with God. And eventually he gets back to the place where in spite of my circumstances, I will trust you. I will praise you. And and so they take the same formula of of reminding themselves that the things are stark. Circumstances are bad, but God is bigger than our circumstances. And then they pray the craziest prayer. I would pray for protection or for God to smite my enemies. But they prayed for something crazy. They prayed for boldness. They said, in spite of the intimidation, in spite of the fear and anxiety, in spite of the fact that they saw what happened to Jesus, and these are the same people that are upset with them, they might do to them what they did to Jesus, and there was no guarantee they would rise from the dead. In that moment, they prayed for boldness for great boldness. It's a, it's a Greek word, parousia, which actually means they were praying for, to be free and to have a fearless confidence, to have cheerful courage and boldness, assurance. They have a confidence born out of hope, the hope that God was with them, that he was present, that he was paying attention, that he was bigger than the anxieties facing them. Isn't that a great little phrase? Cheerful courage in the midst of anxiety. Do people experience cheerful courage from you 
Wouldn't that be great if that's how people experienced us? In spite of circumstances, they have a cheerful courage. Those words don't even seem like they match. They should even go together. But we need friends like these, friends that will give us, breathe into us courage to see things from a new perspective. So where do we find friends like that? Is there a match.com for friends who give courage? Can you hire people to do that for you? Now, there probably is someone in this room right now creating an app for that, but right now there does not exist one. But here's how to find community like that. Just look around you. See, we are a church family. Now, I want you to know that if you're new here, you can stay and be here for as long as you want. There is plenty of room for anonymity. In the first service, I accidentally said animosity. (laughs) This is a place where you can remain anonymous for as long as you want. And we mean that. But if you want community, this is also a place where you can experience it. My first experience in Austin, eight years ago, the first friends that I have were the people I got up with early on Sundays and helped set up the kids' area at Covington Middle School. Those were my first friends. It was this community that has helped this big city feel like a small town. Run into some of you at the store. Some of you have helped get my kids home from school when I couldn't make it. You've been the family for me and my family that we've needed in a place that can be really hard. See, you and I can actually become the community that we need for each other. See, God, in this moment, is showing us from the story of Acts 4, no matter how difficult things get, we can actually help each other through that. So how do we find friends like this as part of this community? Let me show you a mural. Maybe you've seen it before. Let me pop it up on the screen. There it is. It's so big, it's easy to miss, right? Right there in our lobby. But you may not know this. This is actually our path for spiritual growth. It's actually our four core values. So we say, come as you are. And in many ways, your first experience with us, I would imagine for most of you, has been on a Sunday morning. This is what we call our inspire service. It's designed to inspire you to take your next step of faith. Whether you've walked with God for a long time or you're not even sure about God, each of us has a next step that we can take to grow to become who we were created to be. And so come as you are. That means you can come into this community no matter what doubts you might have, no matter what struggles you might have, and know that you are welcome here. You can belong whether or not you believe. This is a place much like the Sermon on the Mount, filled with disciples, people who follow Jesus and have for a long time, but also people who are unsure, people who have felt disconnected or even left out. But the second core value after come as you are is to live connected. And if you know the ministry of Jesus, he had the 70 that he would send out serving others with others. In Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10, So the 70, the live connected, is is what we call our networks. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. And then, for some of you, once you're a part of a network, the next step would be jumping into a life group where be transformed is the core value. That's like Jesus' 12 disciples. And then you see that we commission people. We have missionaries all throughout Austin. 
and to places beyond who are actively changing their world. So let's break down a couple of these. Since you've already stepped into this come-as-you-are environment, let's talk a little bit more about living connected. Every Sunday we say the best way to get connected is serving others with others. And, and we mean that because we've seen it happen over and over. Stepping into a serving network allows you to foster relationships that build friendships, that inspire spiritual growth, and they tangibly serve others in need. And so we point you towards Starting Gate. We'll give you a tour and show you the different ways to jump in. And you may not know this. There are different teams like the taco team, like setting up outside, an early morning team, tearing down after, getting ready for Sunday night. There are all sorts of teams connected to guest services. And it might mean maybe you come once a week, an hour a week. This would mean coming and staying for another hour every other week. It's an easy next step, but suddenly you get to know people. They huddle together. They pray for each other. It's an easy next step. Another team that you could jump in and be a part of is our next-gen team. When you invest in little ones, you will be amazed at how it helps you grow along the way. And it could be you become a sub or you help with check-in or maybe you want to help with a, a class. And literally, it would mean instead of one hour a week, three hours a week. You're serving in one service and participating in one service. But I'm telling you, the more you invest in your spiritual growth, the more you'll see the results. But we also have serving networks in the city. And so these are networks that, that are serving beyond Sunday mornings. So these are networks like those that are reaching out to neighborhoods in Circle C or 78704, or they're Targeting cities like Dripping Springs and Buda, Kyle, Bastrop, and Lakeway are two of the newest. Or affinity groups like those serving with business leaders or those serving the homeless or those who have a heart for reconciliation and justice. Or networks for men, women, the deaf community, artists, and those in their 20s and 30s. And all of these networks that I just mentioned are, over the next couple weeks, having Network dinners. You may have seen the little sign out there. Uh, an easy way just to get to know other people in your area or in your same life station or with your same passion is just to go to one of these dinners. There's 12 of them all over the place. And it's just a great way. You're just hanging out, having a free meal, bringing some food. Some are having Super Bowl parties. And you may be thinking, but I hate the Patriots. <laughs> some of you love the Patriots. Remember, no perfect people allowed. And... <laughs> And so you could go, and if you don't care for sports, just enjoy the community and stop talking during the commercials. That's the only thing, right? But jumping in, just is an easy way to just get to know people, and suddenly you'll start to see them in the grocery store, along the street. You'll drive better out of your neighborhood. But one of the things I love about this community is that some of you have started to sit in the same place week after week. And this is a great way to get to know each other. You start to see each other, right? And, and then suddenly you have dinner and share a meal. And maybe none of these network dinners is your next step. Perhaps for you, it's just joining us for lunch on February the 10th for our new to Gateway gathering. It was so neat. A few months ago, we had one of those at Meg's house. And, and there was like five women who were all new. And they all sat together the next Sunday. And they have kept sitting together for the last several months going out to lunch, getting to know each other, having connection. Now, maybe you're already in a network. You've already gotten traction with community and serving others with others. The next step is 
being intentional about spiritual growth, stepping into a life group. Now, a life group requires some commitment and consistency and engagement, and you can find that there's many open groups that are just now starting or opening up again in the month of February. In fact, many of them during the next series, it's called You Belong Here. And if this last series was helping you develop exercises and habits to overcome anxiety, this whole next series is about developing the community you and I need that helps us become people who are hopeful and voices of hope. But during that series, they're going to be using my book as just a way to, to learn how to love people and serve people and even influence people who might look differently or believe differently. And so maybe you just jump in for five weeks, just be a part of one of those life groups. Whatever your next step is, I want to just encourage you to be intentional about it. Not only were my first friends those who I served with on Sunday mornings, setting up the kids area, my first life group met in the spring of 2011. And we were all kind of new to each other. And many of them are still great friends even to this day, all these years later. But I remember in particular this moment, we use this website called futureme.org. It's this cool little way to kind of email yourself. You just choose a date and then you get an email in your inbox. You're like, oh, who's spamming me? Oh, that's me. And we typed up our spiritual goals for the, the 10 weeks that we were meeting together that spring. And I remember one of the guys printed his out and brought it to the group. He was so excited. He began to share with us, you guys won't believe it. Everything that I wanted to happen spiritually in my life has happened, plus things I didn't even put on my list. And right in that moment, a girl in our group named Melissa said, well, nothing happened on my list. It was kind of one of those moments I was like, oh, I wish he hadn't said that. It was kind of, he was excited and then, bum, 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 you know, it was one of those moments. But then she said something I will never forget, and I've quoted her ever since. She said, you know what, though? The difference between you and me is that you worked for it, and I didn't. So your relationship with God requires effort, just like any relationship requires effort. And the more you invest in your spiritual growth, the more you will experience. But when things get hard, having that community to help you keep moving is part of the beauty of what God wants us to be with each other. Interesting things happen. When we connect with others deeply in community, let's keep going in Acts chapter four. Check out what happened after they prayed together. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostle to give to those in need. God shook things up. I love that in the midst of their anxiety and their, their worry, they came together and they started praying and then God gave them something really to make them anxious. The whole building shook. But they experienced miracle, the presence of God. And the way they treated each other was different. There was kindness and generosity. It was like a life group that helped somebody in their life group move. <laughs> it's one of the greatest tests of faith here in Austin. But they loved each other. They cared for each other. They met each other's needs. You and I are invited to become a part of a community of hope. 
This isn't some pie-in-the-sky hope, a hope that emanates from the person of Jesus, the one who came to rescue us, who willingly gave his life, and who defeated death, who gives us his spirit when we choose to follow him. In fact, they remembered his words, words that we should remember. In John chapter 16, Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you have may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We follow the one who has overcome and who enables us to overcome. When we connect to community, we are surrounded with others who have overcome, who will help us overcome. Now, Many of the passages of scripture that we read were actually written to groups of people, written to local churches. Even here, Jesus is saying uh, in a way that really only Texans can truly understand. Because what he's actually saying is, I have told y'all this so that y'all may have peace in me. He's saying you all. And the letters that Paul wrote were to local churches. He's communicating that in order to become the person that God's created you to be, you need to hear this message in the context of community. When you read the scriptures, you need to remember it was written to local churches and to church leaders. You see, you can't become the person God created you to be unless you have others in your life so that you can obey what the scriptures say. You cannot love one another without others. You cannot forgive others without others. You cannot serve others without others. And Jesus told us that if you want to experience and find life, then you need to lose your life in serving others. One last little story. When I was in Los Angeles, there was a young woman named Nicole who was new to faith, and she was lonely in our big city. And she came up to me one day and she said, you know, sometimes I'm really struggling and I just wish Jesus was here to give me a hug. Well, I looked around for someone to give her a hug. I could not find anyone, so I gave her a hug. And after I hugged her, I had this thought. I said, McCall, the next time you are desperate for a hug, look for someone else that needs a hug, maybe even a little bit more than you, and hug them. Because every time I've ever hugged anyone, they've always hugged me back, other than my grandfather. But other than that, Every time I've ever hugged someone, they've always hugged me back. See, some of us are caught up in anxiety and we lack hope because we're just consumed with our own struggles. And actually, if you were to step out and look for somebody else who's struggling, the best way to to make a friend is to be a friend, to offer hugs to those around you. And suddenly you'll discover that you have created a community of hope because you brought hope to others. You and I can experience freedom from anxiety within by focus on meeting the needs of others, by surrounding ourselves with others. Maybe there are things you need to let, da- let go of, you've been hanging on to that have been creating anxiety. Or maybe you've known that God's calling you into serving others, calling you into stepping out of your comfort zone. Have the courage to do that. Or perhaps during this song, if you're here and you want to declare to your church family that you are someone who follows Jesus, 
one of the first steps for those of us who've said yes to Jesus is to be baptized. It's a beautiful symbol of dying to your old life, being raised to walk a new life, being washed clean. And, and perhaps you're Parents made this decision for you when you were young. That in many ways, this is the fulfillment of what they hoped. If you would make that decision on your own to declare that I am following him. If that's you and you're interested in that, I want to just, during the song, encourage you to head out to the table and we'll get you ready for that. We have towels so you can go home dry even if you're wearing your jeans. But also during the song, it's another opportunity to take communion if you didn't do so earlier. Again, examine your heart. And be ready to do whatever it is that God asks you to do. So let's, okay, let's pray together. So Heavenly Father, thank you that you are peace. You brought peace. You give peace. God, may we be peacemakers. And help us to have the courage to take whatever next step you put on our heart today. Whether it's inviting someone, a neighbor, a coworker who's isolated and lonely to just have fun with us next Sunday at the Super Bowl or to jump in and serve with the kids or to go share a meal with new friends. God, whatever it is, just give us the courage to act on that. We pray in Jesus' name.